So let's uh, bring the news in today as to what's going on here in New York City. Now we do know, we do know for a fact that uh, with the total rise in what's going on, we have uh, a guy like Lee Zeldin who's going to be taking on Kathy Hochul. Now the horrible Hochul and the hoaxes that they are running up there in upstate New York about what's going on around the rest of the state is really a problem. You have intense issues of official corruption going on that's being alleged. And this is something that has to be really discussed and talked about. Now, Lee Zeldin says that he's going to make sure that when he's the man in the room in Albany, a lot of this stuff is going to stop. Because when you have a total, basically, one-party dictatorship ruling what goes down in New York, then you are not going to see a lot of people getting what they need in the state, in the city, and elsewhere. So that's just what it has to be. Let's listen to Lee Zeldin. He was on also with uh, Bernie and Sid, although this was Andy and Sid uh, this morning because, uh, as, as, as we know, Bernie's trying to get well. But it's a very good insight, very good listen, very good look. And, uh, you know, with Tina Fonte going against uh, Ocasio-Cortez in the 14th with uh, Tom Smith going against Grace Meng, we may see things change. Here's uh, Lee Zeldin talking about that. We're going in with more here from uh, Lee Zeldin. Q. We're going on with more here to try and get more information out there and get things going as we try and get the best information we can for you. Now, as you know, there was a very tight fight, a very tight popularity contest in a fight that was going on between newcomer um, Desi Quellar and, of course, the uh, current uh, leader who's, who's been in uh, the 14th District for some time, Tina Quellar, who's been trying to run uh, for different positions in New York City for a couple of times. It's come close, but no cigar. But will she be the one to be able to defeat AOC? A lot of people are worried because Tina has one problem. It seems to be all about her and her fight. Well, that's very true in many political caucuses. But what needs to happen, she's got to get the support of people on the Upper East Side, Upper West Side. She's got to get all these people to shift away from AOC and the communism that is controlling the city. And basically, AOC is their de facto chairman, is their de facto leader. She may not be the one calling the shots. It's probably somebody else. But essentially, she's got to get the people like the Michael Bloombergs out there who've lost billions of dollars with this Biden administration and this green BS that's running out there in the streets and just ruining the city of New York. I mean, can you imagine right now the combined wealth of the city's, uh, what they say, 60 or so billionaires we got here? They've lost a combined $1.3 trillion in personal net worth. $1.3 trillion in personal net worth. That is how much has been lost by the people. And that is how much has been lost in a tax base in New York City. So how's Tina going to help those people not just 
get them back on their path to being more successful because when they're successful the city's successful when they're successful there's more jobs when they're successful there's more things happening let's take a look at this guy like say jeff bezos or uh, uh, we we, we want to encourage a guy like bill gates to move more of his business efforts and interests into the city of New York. Why? Some people say, why do we need these billionaires? Well, we need them for the tax base. We need them for the industrialists that come together. You got to remember guys like Carnegie. You got to remember guys like the Rockefellers and all these other families that came in and built their wealth here in the city of New York. And in the process of building their wealth, they built wealth and prosperity for everyone. And these are the people that AOC gets money from but does nothing for so this is where Tina Fontaine has got to work on and has got to reach out and it's got to get people together because until she does, she's just going to be what the left describes as another Karen out there talking and saying things. And even among, let's say, the Hispanic community, which let's face it, is the new majority in New York City, you know, they're growing faster than any other community in the city. And eventually, they will be the largest in Manhattan, probably in the districts where AOC is running. The only reason all out crazy is uh, holding, uh, you know, uh, you know, all of uh, the influence that she has in Congress is because she presents herself that way. She presents herself as, you know, uh, you know, the Regan. <laughs> <laughs> the reeking reeking but actually they call it something far worse you may want to hear the word but they don't say puerto but <laughs> another p word to describe what that reeking is and that's what they talk about and that's what they're honestly raising about because you know hey yeah she's a girl from westchester who passed herself off to coming from the bronx and had kind of moved into the community and built herself up hey she had to do what she had to do to get ahead, right? And it seems that she did what she did. But, you know, what Tina has done, though, is in upsetting what was basically the Republican Party's bet in uh, Desi Kualai. She's got to reach out. She's got to come together. And not just blame the candidate that they were selecting from the Republican side, because there was a very good reason for, for Desi Kualai to come in. Kalara was, you know, had a badly run campaign. I think that if he had better campaign management, he probably could be doing a lot better. And he's still on the ballot. So, you know, he has potentially the ability to take votes away from her. So he's got to figure out a way to either win with Tina there and AOC taking on two women, which is going to be difficult. Or he's going to find a way to be the kingmaker in this race. And that could be an important role for Desi Cuellar, who I see and believe will have a long political career ahead of him in New York City. But right now, running as a conservative party candidate, we still have to see what he, you know, is uh, is going to be doing. I left a message on his machine. I sent him a couple of text messages. Still haven't gotten a reply from him. But again, let's listen to Tina, what she said in her victory speech. She was on the number one radio talk show in New York City on, uh, you know, WABC 770 with uh, Andy Giuliani filling in for uh, uh, Bernard Carrick. 
and uh, Sid Rosenberg. Let's listen in. Here you go. This is the time. We're about two months out. We had all these primary races yesterday, Lee. And uh, talking to you a lot lately, I'm getting the feeling that despite some of these polls out there, you feel very, very confident you will win in November. And it really all starts with events like this tonight, yes? Well, no doubt. It's important, though, for us to have everybody everywhere all in. I mean, nobody can take absolutely anything for granted. Uh, it's it's one of those situations where I, I'm able to guarantee that we win in November if everybody everywhere is doing everything in their power. This isn't about just riding in some red wave, jumping on some board. You have to create the wave, and it's a big state. And I was all over New York with Andrew. We were you know, constantly passing each other over the course of a year plus, and it's you know, a lot of counties, regions – you can't get to everywhere at once. Uh, so you need people there on the ground campaigning their tails off. And I'm also able to guarantee that if we don't have everybody working that hard, there's no way to win. You know, New York City is going to be important. If we get less than 29% in New York City, we don't know how to win. If we get over 35%, we don't know how to lose. And that window in between is the 29 to the 35 range. Uh, which is a sweet spot, and the better that you do inside the city, the less that you need to get elsewhere. Uh, the, the, the internal polling that we have, we currently are tracking the race that we're down eight. Uh, I remember the polling in Governor Pataki's win in 94 against Mario Cuomo, that last week there were six public polls that came out. The average of the six polls said that Pataki was going to lose by 11.5 points. There was one poll that had him down three. Four of them were, had him down double digits, up to 14 points, and he ended up winning by three and a half. So the polling the last week of the general election, 94, uh, was all 15 points off. So, you know, you, you, whatever the polls say, we just have to continue to campaign our tails off. But, you know, between now and November 8th, the issues are on our side. We have to make sure we're not outworked. Uh, and we need to do this in order to save our state. I really feel like this is it. I mean, you care about crime and public safety. You care about our economy, cost of living. You care about freedom. You can't have four more years of Kathy Hochul and one-party rule. It will get worse. So, Congressman Zeldin, talking about how you get people all in, last night the turnout, I was looking through this, was just over 10%. 10% actually ended up coming out to vote. So how do we do? how do we get people to make sure that they come on out to vote on November 8th? Now, I grant... Granted that I think last night was specifically unique because we obviously had our primary in late June. You had the second primary, which I think probably confused some people on top of the fact that it was toward the end of summer. So I certainly expect turnout to be more than that. But I look at this exactly the way that you look at it. If you could get turnout in the, you know, in the high 30s, in the 40 percent range, this is going to benefit you and it's going to close that gap. Uh, and I think it gives you really that chance to hit the, that number in the low to mid-30s like you need in New York City. So how do you get people all in to make sure they're coming on out to vote for you on November 8th to save our state? So your analysis is spot on, uh, on every front of everything that you just said and analyzing the dynamics with multiple primaries and the fact that right now we're in the summer. And what I've noticed in New York is that people right now are out Enjoying summer. Many people aren't thinking about politics. And then something happens a week from now. When kids go back to school, there's something about post-Labor Day 
and there's a switch that goes off, and people have, they realize, okay, there's an election coming up. They start thinking about it, and they'll make decisions. Every day people will be making decisions. People out there who are on the fence as to whether or not that they're going to vote, it's a game-time decision when they wake up on election day. We need to be telling them that it's not just a right to vote that you are given. This is your obligation. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. Don't be passionately telling me about everything you you care about, that you're complaining about, and you're not even voting. So there's that dynamic is just getting our people out to vote. I do believe that there's going to be a light switch that is going to flip after we get past Labor Day, and every single day more and more people are going to be paying attention. Uh, And anybody who's out there who's like, ah, yeah, you have it in the bag, with regards to any of our races, up, down, ballot, it doesn't matter. Nothing is in the bag. I mean, you you have to work hard for it. Now, in in, in this day and age, there was a time where there's a saying, if you tell five people and they tell five people, Mm -hmm. between social media, email, texts, you could go out and tell a thousand people, and then they could tell a thousand people. But, you know, hit your entire list. Tell everybody you know, and you can do it quickly and efficiently. For me, all day, every day, from the moment I get up to the moment I go to sleep, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to try to be everywhere at once to earn the support of everyone. I don't care whether I'm walking Harlem Week and I'm in an area that has always voted deeply Democrat or I'm in Livingston County, uh, where it is one of the most Republican conservative counties in the entire country. Wherever you are and anywhere in between, I'm finding that the issues are pretty much very similar, crime, economy. Uh, And I feel like a lot of New Yorkers understand the stakes, and this is breaking point time for them, for their family, for the community and the state. So it's, it's all about hard work and showing up and making sure everyone else who's a registered voter shows up on November 8th. You were all over Hochul the last couple of days, leave for qualified immunity for the cops, which, of course, you're a thousand percent right. But she did mention you a couple of days ago. Uh, she was, uh, I guess, holding a rally for Pat Ryan, who did win. He beat Marcus Molinaro, a friend of mine. And she said that Molinaro, Donald Trump and you, you, Lee Zeldin, need to get on a plane and get the hell out of here and go down to Florida because you don't share the values that she does. And if the values are criminals running the show and uh, a dirty, filthy, taxed New York City, then she's right, Lee. We don't share the same values. And not only is she declaring herself right, but as you point out, she says that you need to leave. She says you're not even a New Yorker. Right. Get out. You want to take on Kathy Hochul? I mean, you want to be out there saying that we need to repeal cashless bail. We should fire Alvin Bragg. We should reverse the state's ban on a safe extraction of natural gas. We should get rid of the HALT Act because our correctional officers are getting assaulted. And the list goes on of, of things that have us in this race so passionately fighting as hard as we all are to save our, our city and our state and our country. And that mentality if you want to be the governor of New York, you have to be the governor for all New Yorkers. And that includes a whole lot of people who are going to disagree with you. And, oh, by the way, a lot of what we're out there fighting for, I mean, the, the New Yorker, the will of the people right now, it's all behind us. They want to repeal cashless bail. So yesterday uh, I didn't take her advice to go down to the Florida that she had in mind. <laughs> uh, but I, did go, I did go to Florida. I went to Florida and New York. And I campaigned there yesterday. Uh, I met with the mayor of Florida, New York. 
Uh, we went to a, a big senior picnic in Warwick in Orange County, and we're going to beat her in Orange County. Yeah, for folks that don't anywhere. know, none that, of us are going anywhere. Yeah, that's right by uh, Goshen. When I go visit my mom up by Monticello, I pass Florida, New York yeah. every time. So you know, well, she's, she certainly chased a lot of Republicans down to the Florida in uh, where Robert, Governor DeSantis is yep. down there. Well, I, look, there's no doubt, Lee. I've seen you uh, when, when we were competing for the nomination. Certainly continued on since you've become the Republican nominee. Uh, go all over the state. What has surprised you most so far from this gubernatorial campaign from a uh, fr- from a uh, constituent standpoint? For me, one of the things that I thought really surprised me was how many independents and how many Democrats actually caught on to crime being the top issue uh, and how many actually said, hey, look, we may not agree with everything that you have to say, but we understand that right now crime is your top priority. It seems to be Congressman Zeldin's top priority. That's something that speaks to us. That's right. People want to feel safe on their streets. They want to feel safe in their homes and their place of employment, in the subways. And people right now aren't feeling safe in their communities. And it's getting more and more personal, up close and personal. We're waking up on Monday morning and stomach churning, reading all the headlines of everything that happened that weekend. And it's happening Monday morning after Monday morning when you get caught up on the news on what you might have missed over that Friday, Saturday, Sunday period. So that's that's a real problem, and that's not just about Republicans expressing frustration, disappointment. It's about independents, disenfranchised Democrats. A lot of Democrats feel like their party has left them. They feel like the party is wrong on crime. And we saw it with the New York City Democratic mayoral primary. At the beginning of that primary, a year out, you had crime towards the top of the list, but that was people who were saying that we need to defund the police uh, and that we need to stop supporting law enforcement, and, and they want to pass pro-criminal laws, and, and then things were going very much in the wrong direction as far as the priority of the Democratic Party base. But as the June 2021 Democratic Party primary in New York City was getting closer and closer, crime and public safety was right there at the top of the list, but they wanted to see the candidates get tough on crime. Things have flipped, and, and they're seeing it on the streets of, of New York City. Kathy Hochul, you know, when I, well, I say we need to repeal cashless bail, she says there's no data. Show me proof. <laughs> when we say we need to remove Alvin Bragg, she says he just got there, cut him some slack, he's doing his job. We were all out there fighting for Jose Alba, saying that the murder charges should get dropped against him. She says it's a local issue. She's not going to get involved. <laughs> So on top of the pro-criminal policies, the lax DAs, there's some lax judges. You have a governor right now who's pandering to pro, a pro-criminal base, pro-criminal activists, and, and you know that there's more pro-criminal laws that will get passed and also an unwillingness to stand up and just shoot straight on what needs to be done to back our men and women in blue to make sure they have the, the resources they need to do their job and to reset these laws that in many respects have made our streets less safe. November 8th, just about uh, two months away, and that is uh, Reckoning Day here in New York, folks. That is D-Day. That is a day that you must, must vote for Lee Zeldin. If you love this city, if you love New York State, quite frankly, if you love America, you have to vote for Lee Zeldin that day. But will she be the one to be able to defeat AOC? A lot of people are worried because Tina has one problem. It seems to be all about her and her fight. Well, that's very true in many political caucuses. But what needs to happen, 
she's got to get the support of people on the Upper East Side, Upper West Side. She's got to get all these people to shift away from AOC and the communism that is controlling the city. And basically, AOC is their de facto chairman, is their de facto leader. She may not be the one calling the shots. It's probably somebody else. But essentially, she's got to get the people like the Michael Bloombergs out there who've lost billions of dollars with this Biden administration and this green BS that's running out there in the streets and just ruining the city of New York. I mean, can you imagine right now the combined wealth of the city's, uh, what they say, 60 or so billionaires we got here? They've lost a combined $1.3 trillion in personal net worth. $1.3 trillion in personal net worth. That is how much has been lost by these people. And that is how much has been lost in a tax base in New York City. So how's Tina going to help those people not just get them back on their path to being more successful because when they're successful the city's successful when they're successful there's more jobs when they're successful there's more things happen let's take a look at this guy like say jeff bezos or uh, we we, we want to encourage a guy like bill gates to move more of his business efforts and interests into the city of new york why some people say why do we need these billionaires well we need them for the tax base we need them for the industrialists that come together you got to remember guys like carnegie you got to remember guys like the rockefellers and all these other families that came in and built their wealth here in the city of new york and in the process of building their wealth they built wealth and prosperity for everyone and these are the people that aoc gets money from but does nothing for so this is where Tina Fonte has got to work on and has got to reach out and has got to get people together because until she does, she's just going to be what the left describes as another Karen out there talking and saying things. And even among, let's say, the Hispanic community, which let's face it, is the new majority in New York City, you know, they're growing faster than any other community in the city. And eventually, they will be the largest in Manhattan, probably in the districts where AOC is running. The only reason all that crazy is uh, holding, uh, you know, uh, you know, all of uh, the influence that she has in Congress is because she presents herself that way. But will she be the one to be able to defeat AOC? A lot of people are worried because Tina has one problem. It seems to be all about her and her fight. Well, that's very true in many political caucuses. But what needs to happen, she's got to get the support of people on the Upper East Side, Upper West Side. She's got to get all these people to shift away from AOC and the communism that is controlling the city. And basically, AOC is their de facto chairman, is their de facto leader. She may not be the one calling the shots. It's probably somebody else. But essentially, she's got to get the people like the Michael Bloombergs out there who've lost billions of dollars with this Biden administration and this green BS that's running out there in the streets and just ruining the city of New York. I mean, can you imagine right now the combined wealth of the city's, uh, what they say, 60 or so billionaires we got here? They've lost a combined $1.3 trillion in personal net worth. 
1.3 trillion dollars in personal net worth that is how much has been lost by these people and that is how much has been lost in a tax base in new york city so how's tina going to help those people not just get them back on their path to being more successful because when they're successful the city's successful when they're successful there's more jobs when they're successful there's more things happen but let's take a look at this guy like say jeff bezos or we we, we want to encourage a guy like bill gates to move more of his business efforts and interests into the city of new york why some people say why do we need these billionaires well we need them for the tax base we need them for the industrialists that come together you got to remember guys like carnegie you got to remember guys like the rockefellers and all these other families that came in and built their wealth here in the city of new york and in the process of building their wealth they built wealth and prosperity for everyone and these are the people that aoc gets money from but does nothing for so this is where Tina Fonte has got to work on and has got to reach out and has got to get people together because until she does, she's just going to be what the left describes as another Karen out there talking and saying things. And even among, let's say, the Hispanic community, which let's face it, is the new majority in New York City, you know, they're growing faster than any other community in the city. And eventually, they will be the largest in Manhattan, probably in the districts where AOC is running. The only reason all that crazy is uh, holding, uh, you know, uh, you know, all of uh, the influence that she has in Congress is because she presents herself that way. Last night, she comes up a big win over Cuellar. We're so excited for her. The great real Tina, Tina Forte. Congratulations, Tina. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Sid. Hi, Andrew. Don't mind my voice. <laughs> no, that's okay. Tina, congratulations. Yeah. Really amazing. Thank you so much. We both love you. Joe the Box, America First Warehouse, listening right now. He loves you, too. So we'll make this very, very quick. Right I know you love Joe. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you did get the win, and now you set your sights on AOC. What do you do next? Yeah. I want to thank all my Bronx and Queens voters and everyone that voted. It came out for me. I said it from the beginning that this is why primaries are so important in New York. It should be the people who choose who they want to represent them. The establishment Republican Party in New York needs to own up to that now. So we can all work on making New York better for we the people. The choice belongs to all of you. All the votes that made our voices heard last night and put me as a front runner to AOC, and I'm going to take it to her because I am fighting for lower taxes, our streets safer, our schools better. I'm going to protect our freedoms, and I'm fighting for us, not the establishment elites or the special interests. Well, we can all get behind that there, Tina, and you could hear just how much you've put your heart, your soul into this. Uh, so how do we beat the one, the only, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, somebody who I think has done more destruction to our political system over the past four years than well, anybody? Well, I think everybody needs to stand with me, fight with me, rally around me, because I will be one to take it to her. I just need everyone to rally around me and I promise I will not let anyone down. We believe everyone you. Yep. Speak up and speak out. 
Hey, that's the latest for me for now. I'm Michael New York. We're going to be coming up with more as we go along and more for you in store as we look at what the real issues are in Queens, in New York City, and elsewhere. So people say, oh, you're getting a little too biased because you're going on the side of the Republicans only and the conservatives and, and that type of group. Well, you know, I go where the good is. I go where the godly is. And I believe that there are some good Democrats out there. So far, though, I haven't met one. I haven't met one who's willing to stand up for life. I haven't met one who's willing to stand up for the community. I haven't met one who's been willing to walk the streets with the guardian angels. I haven't met one who's been willing to defend the police when they need defending. I haven't met one who isn't on the take from some big political action committee that is working for a guy like George Soros who basically is running the city's crime rate so, so high so that he can buy up the city so low. You see, that's what is really going on here. It's all about the money. They want certain people to leave the community, other people to come here. And then what are they going to do? They're going to take it over. How? short selling. They short-sold stocks, and the stock market sucks right now. They short-sold energy. The energy market sells and it sucks right now. Hey, they even gone back into mining shares because people need lithium and nickel and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, it's all about money, profit. They don't really care about the environment, about energy. Most of these guys are ready to check out anyway. They're in their 70s or 80s. Can you imagine George Soros? All he wants to do. So fight Soros. And don't worry when people say, oh, you know, George Soros, you can't, you know, talk about George Soros because, you know, if you talk about George Soros as being anti-Semitic, hell no. He's a fake Jew. He presents himself as Jewish when the opportunity presents himself. But in reality, at every opportunity, he denies God. Whether I or somebody else uh, does whatever is happening in the markets, it really doesn't make any difference to the outcome. I don't feel guilty because I'm engaged in an amoral activity which is not meant to have anything to do with guilt. While hundreds of thousands of Hungarian Jews were being shipped off to the death camps, George Soros accompanied his phony godfather on his appointed rounds, confiscating property from the Jews. These are pictures from 1944 of what happened to George Soros' friends in Naples. You're a Hungarian Jew who escaped the Holocaust by posing as a, a Christian. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. Uh, and uh, but it's threatened. It was a tremendous threat of evil. I mean, it was a, a very personal experience of evil. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yeah. Yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from Jews. That's right. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years.
was it difficult? Uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. Maybe as a child, you don't you don't see the connection, uh, but it was it created no no problem at all. No feeling of guilt. No. For example, that uh, I'm Jewish. Uh, and here I am watching these people go, I could just as easily be there. I should be there. None of that. Well, of course, I could, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, well, actually, funny way, it's just like in markets, that if I were there, of course, I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, would, would be taking it away anyhow. It was the, whether I was there or not. Well, actually, in a funny way, it's just like in markets that if I weren't there, of course, I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, would, would be taking it away anyhow. It was the, whether I was there or not. So I had no sense of guilt. Are you religious? Do you believe in God? No. Soros told us he believes God was created by man, not the other way around, which may be why he thinks he can smooth out the world's imperfections. See, that's George Soros saying it very plain and simple. He doesn't believe in anything. Listen again. See, the question was asked. He looks straight into the camera and he says, I don't believe in nothing. property was being taken away. So I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. Are you religious? No. Do you believe in God? No. Soros told us he believes God was created by man, not the other way around, which may be why he thinks he can smooth out the world's imperfections. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to go. And that's the way it's got to be. I'm Mike of New York. Y'all have a great day. I got more coming your way. God bless you. God bless everyone. God bless these United States of America. And everybody, let's get together. And let's liberate this city. Let's make New York 